When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hi, everybody. Russ and my Hammers 11. Hope you're all safe and well. For you channel, please consider subscribing, hitting the bell icon so you're made aware of any time we put new content on. Make sure you hit that bell icon as well because obviously we're doing all the... Um, all the game sh- live live game shows every week for Iron Supporting Food Banks. I've got my badge on. Thank you, John, from there. We hope to raise twenty thousand pounds by the end of September, and we're at about f- sixteen grand now. So uh, still a couple of weeks left. So hopefully we'll do that. Um, today's guest, um, he hasn't been he hasn't been too well, bless him, but he's he's fighting fit enough to chat to us. It's Matt Lorenzo. Hi, Matt. How are you? All right, I'm uh, I'm good, thanks. Yeah, as I was saying, you you've had a you had you had it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. I, I was an early adopter in um, late March, early April for about three weeks. Middle week was a bit dodgy, um, but I'm all right now. As I say, there's just a few things. It's got a long tail, as my doctor said, so you still feel a bit odd. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to remember how unfit I was uh, to see whether I'm as unfit as I was before. Probably about the same. <laughs> I know what you mean. It was the same. My, my, my wife said to me the other day, she uh, she weighed herself and she went, oh, I put so much weight on. And I said, but how do you know? Did you weigh yourself before you went into lockdown? And she went, no. I said, well, <laughs> how, how do you know? I know I have, but it doesn't matter. But um, apart from that, obviously, you've been busy. Obviously, the, I, I saw the, the, the Ray's new show on Monday. That was good. That was good. Yeah, it's, uh, it's nice to see it go out. We did it about two years ago. It was a simple idea. Ray, uh, who I knew through West Ham and, and mutual friends, there's a guy called Russell True. Anybody who goes to the Arnold Hills will know Russell. He's the first one in there and the last one to leave. Uh, and we have a, a great time at every home game, sometimes, almost always, despite the football. Anyway, he introduced me to Ray a few years ago. And uh, we got together with Bruno Zoccola, who's a mate of mine who runs a few restaurants. And we thought it would be a good idea for Ray to do a show on Sicily where he lives part of the year and loves Bruno to get a bit of publicity for his restaurants and me to do a bit of TV, which I'm supposed to know something about. Anyway, so we just, three of us went around Sicily for a month and came up with a six part series, which went out on Blaze uh, on somewhere on the sky grid yeah. uh, on Monday night. 
Yeah, it was great. No, I loved it. It was, um, and, and just, I mean, it so suits Ray living in Sicily, doesn't it? It just suits his persona, I think, the way he, the way he, sort of, he loves, he absolutely adores the place, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. A friend of his who was Sicilian took him there on holiday once and he fell in love with the place. And uh, yeah, he, um, he's got a great affinity for the people. Uh, they're simple working class people. They're very loyal, very family oriented, very friendly. And uh, he's built himself a house there, which is, lovely uh and he's sort of very proud of them and he wanted to do a bit for the for their country and it's a it's an absolutely fabulous place it's a lot bigger than you, you might think it is but uh, it's a, it's untouched it's not like many uh, places that you go to it's um it's as though um no one's been there before um and it, some of the scenery is, is fantastic and they do like a drop of wine which yeah. helps yeah which is probably one of, the, one of the one of the difficult things around about having the older cv19 is the whole uh taste of smell one of my one of my bosses had it and and he loves his wine and so he, he still hasn't got his taste back and so he's absolutely gutted at the moment uh particularly with the pubs open because he can't drink anything he can't taste it but uh oh well but at least you know the season's about to kick off how exciting we all must be very excited matt for a season ahead last saturday um <laughs> and i'm wondering uh I'm wondering how much of that was due to the tweet that Mark Noble put out the night before. I, I, I described that as cataclysmic. Um, it's, it's not often that the captain of a club will criticise the club in that way so openly. Mm. Um, and he, he said he was angry. I'm sure he could have gone a lot further. And that that would hint at some form of disunity and some gulf between mm. the owners uh, and the team, uh, and I, I think that may have been reflected on Saturday afternoon. I hope that was part of the reason because the, the defence was uh, Keystone Cops at times. Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, and 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 obviously I was there, and, and Bournemouth just looked up for it. They just looked up for it. You know, they just seemed to. And so I just think you're right. I think it was just sort of sort of the as I said, the perfect storm. We were sort of a bit sort of disgruntled, it seemed, and then obviously Bournemouth came in with their tails up and. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens. See what happens at Newcastle. Obviously, then we've got Charlton on the Tuesday or yeah, Tuesday as well in the cup. So um, we haven't got time to mope, which is quite good. Um, no, that's quite I good. hope it's a temporary thing. Although, uh, you know, I, what can I say? I, I like to try and bite my lip over the next few minutes as to, yeah. to what's going on there behind the scenes. But put it this way, I've got some sympathy with Mark Noble. Sure. Yeah. No, I understand that. No, I understand that. Yeah, he's, I, I, I know what... I know what people mean, and and it, I mean, you know, it was his personal opinion, isn't it? And so it is what it is. And uh, as you said, it's one of those things which you don't know the effect it's had on the team, but it's, it's galvanised the fan base. That's more than anything, I think. You know, the fan base is yeah. together than ever. So well, I think they're quite lucky that um, the place is shut because if uh, if the crowd had been allowed in there this Saturday, I mean, and if Declan goes, which is uh, always a possibility, I think. Uh, you know, they'll be luckier that there's no one in that ground. Sure. Yeah, yeah. No, I, no, I get that totally. Uh, and also for the players themselves, you know, because, you know, uh, we've they, they've played in sort of quite hostile environments before and, you know, it, it doesn't t- particularly work well. Obviously, they haven't been, been playing with no fans since restart and they did well, you know, they did all right. You know, it was like, it just seemed to be a different team yeah. than, than, pre, than pre-COVID. Um, on the positive side, they were so much better at the end of the season. It, it was great to watch. And, and then again, you say to yourself, well, why couldn't they have done that all season long? There are certain players who, you know, haven't, didn't pick their, pull their fingers out maybe, well, yeah. you know, when they should have done. I sound very negative here, but yeah, the, the problem is that 
you know, we, we've got some good players. We, we're actually the 18th richest club in the world. Christ knows how that is. And, you know, so things could be a lot better. Yes, it could be. It's on. That's that's always the. I love the way because I, I saw a big um, article about the finances, and yeah, with the 18th rich on turnover, not on not on profit. So we t- we make a hundred. I think then we spent. I think we made that year. We made 180 million, 190 million, but we spent 225 million because that was the Pellegrini era. And so yeah. it's like it's uh, it's all swings and roundabouts. But uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Uh, but when you watch the football, Matt, um, obviously you know the football man. Um, particularly uh, sort of restart do you have the crowd noise on or the crowd noise off oh i have it off yeah yeah i have it off because um, i like to hear him swearing if it's all it's funny because I, I was lucky and I'm, I'm lucky and old enough to have been at the seville game that we played behind closed doors and that's when you realize that they are shouting at one another all the way through the game um and i, I find that it's almost an improvement just to hear you know what's going on because you don't hear any of it when a crowd's there and the other thing about the crowd noise is it's fake. And, you know, I, don't, I don't like it. The other thing is that sorry, some commentators feel they have to make up for the lack of a crowd noise. Yeah. Uh, and they, they mutter on and on and on and on. I won't point any fingers, but um, <laughs> it'd be nice if they just let it breathe. Sometime. Yeah, well, I suppose yeah, it's it's a dead air type thing, isn't it? And so yeah, I know what you mean. It's quite funny how many how many sort of people you talk to is noise on and noise off. Most people are noise off because they like hearing swear words <laughs> during the day. Yeah. And trying to get the commentators. Oh, apologies if you heard any yeah. any rude. What do you expect? It's not like it's it's not like it's a, you know a play school. It's a professional football. But I like listening to. It. I mean, obviously. I'm at the ground at the I'm at the ground for the games at the moment, and it is really really weird because it's like literally so quiet. You can hear the journos typing, literally there on their laptops on their on their, on their Macs and stuff. And uh, I have to sometimes put like um, I don't know one of the YouTube channels watch alongs on just to have you know some sort of moany old people behind me like I was yeah. watching a normal game because uh, it's just too it's too weird out there. I've been to quiet games, but that's just too quiet for me. But um, we'll see what happens. So you mentioned obviously you know. Yeah, West Ham. Da, 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 da. The, the first question I always ask, he says, eight minutes in, which is not too bad for me, is um, is why is West Ham your club, Matt? What's your sort of origin story? Uh, well, I inherited it uh, from my dad, like a few people would have done, I suppose. He was um, the son of Italian immigrants and they moved to um, a shop. Uh, my grandmother was a hairdresser and my dad, uh, my grandfather ran a sweet shop around the corner from the Berlin. So it was fairly simple for him to become a West Ham fan and he was a fanatic definitely a fanatic I mean they, they, they would the clients in the hairdressers would know whether West Ham had won or not because he'd walk in the front door if they won and you'd hear the cat being kicked uh, around the back door if they hadn't um, so he he was a lifelong supporter he, he became a journalist on the Stratford Express and then the News Chronicle and the Daily Sketch and then uh, the old style son. Anyway, all the way through, he was incredibly neutral about West Ham. And he became um, the first commentator on ITV on a show that went out in the late 60s called Star Soccer. Wow. And I was lucky enough to be able to follow him, go to him with games. Billy Wright who was the sports editor of ATV who ran that. So that was a, a tremendous privilege. And I used to go to games with my dad, kneel behind him uh, when he was commentating, occasionally try and correct him and meet people like George Best, um, uh, you know, how privileged was I? So it was football and, and, and West Ham, as I say, all the way through. And my dad carried on 
uh, he went worked on Radio 2, Sports on 2, uh, would go to West Ham games. In the end, he got banned from going to West Ham games because of the bias was just overwhelming. Um, so, yes, it was down to him. And I have two sons, one of whom is uh, is West Ham and the other one uh, supports Liverpool out of spite, I think. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you pass it down to, to one generation, not not necessarily. Yeah. And that's the thing. I mean, a lot of people get the um, get it sort of passed down. And it is almost like someone said to me the other day, because he had a, a young son who was about three or four years ago was sort of mm, he's a West Ham fan. But maybe I want to support Liverpool now, Dad. And um, he said, no, keep with it. Keep with West Ham. And it's, char- <laughs> it's character building, isn't it? You know, it's. Uh, something like that. Yes, yeah, something like that. But it is. I mean, you know, yeah. Have being Liverpool's great, you know, we can beat all these teams all the time, but you know, you get a bit blase to it. We know, as you said, you know, the frustrating thing about restart was why couldn't we play like that all season? But that has always been West Ham. We know they turn yeah. up to the big games, and it's we enjoy those big games because you have the peaks, they're not too many peaks, but when you have a peak, you enjoy it. And well, I think you may be right. I mean, uh, yeah, they're, they're rarer these peaks, but when you beat Spurs, when you beat Liverpool 3 yeah. 0, when you beat Arsenal. First ones to beat them at their lovely new ground. That, that's you remember things like that. It's quite petty, but you do. And I think there's something about it's the hope that kills you, the pain that keeps you coming back. Um, and there's you know fortunes always hiding. Goes the lyric, and that that's about right, isn't it? It is. It is. It's like a, someone likened it to an abusive relationship. In that <laughs> you, you keep going back, and you make them a nice dinner, and you turn up thinking they're going to change, but they don't change. But you you have this all. You know, and every season I'm the same. I think it's going to be our season. Then, you know, after about, you know, half time at the Newcastle game or something, I'll be back to reality for the year. But it is, it is what it is. But uh, do you remember your first game, Matt, West Ham game? Um, I can't think of a particular game. I, I seem to remember a five all between, I haven't, should have looked this up so I'd be clear about it. Five all between West Ham and Chelsea. There were lots of games like that. Yeah. And uh, again, I was privileged because my dad would take me. He'd be in the press box and I'd go with him. Um, and he'd get me the extra ticket, not from the club so much as he would know the commissioners. So they go, hello, Pete, when he walked in. And then he'd go, hello, Sid, how are you? And then he'd say, how's Mabel? And now that was class to know the bloke's wife's name. And that way we would get ushered in. So I'd, I'd, I'd get to watch the game. I mean, I, I tried it out actually a while ago. We were still at the Berlin, and I took a mate. I said, "Let's just see if I can BS my way in here." And I got all the way in, right up to the director's spot, past the stewards, right into the director's lounge because I knew people all the way along. Yeah. But we were playing Chelsea, and because the director's box was full, we got rumbled and kicked out. But it was just to see if you could still do that. Don't think I could do it nowadays. I did it once. Um in in the states at the um at the red bulls arena when i went to see the red bulls i was out there for a few months and um you know i, I blagged my way in saying i was uh, <laughs> i was west ham because <laughs> i because at west ham i turn up four hours before a game anyway it's like because yeah. we have to set up so that's my assumption that you do and obviously there was no fans around and some bloke was like you're all right you look a bit lost and i said oh yeah well you know and i said oh I'm, yeah I'm, I'm from west ham united um i'm sort of doing it went, oh come in come in got a free hat a free scarf a little tour around he said don't forget to tell them how great we are at new york rebels I, I won't i won't thank you very much but yeah, yeah that's the, that's the only time i'd get away with that not nowhere else but um but uh yeah but and that's the thing it's like as you said you know you've 
I think that's the thing about being a West Ham fan as well. You, you had the memories of going with your dad, obviously going with one of your sons. It, that's what it is. I think that's what people miss is that sort of family connection, which they haven't had since lockdown. You know, it's um, you can watch as many games as you want on telly, but, you know, the sooner we get everyone back, the better, I think, in terms yeah, of, um, you know, I mean, I know they're doing all the, they've done the test game. I think they've got the, I think the, the women's, West Ham women's matches is, is one of the test games they're doing as well. Um, so we'll see what happens, but uh, yeah. Anyway, we talk about nostalgia. That's what we do in this channel. We don't talk about the current people, the current uh, situation at West Ham. Um, anyway, let's go and talk about about your eleven, Matt. So, um, the whole like concept is is the Hammers eleven, really. So the idea is we interview people, we find out about why West Ham, whether it's players or or fans, and then we find out about their eleven. So the eleven players that might have meant something to them, might not mean something to them, might be you know the, the shittest eleven. It doesn't really matter, but it's eleven players. Um, the only rule is you have to be alive to have seen them play. Um, as we said on as we said on Twitter, I can't put Bobby Moore in, but I could put in someone else, for example. Uh, wow. You know, Gary Breen, but we're not going to utter him in the same sentence. Um, and and that's what we do. So we go through each, each of the players and find, you know, obviously you have your stories and memories about why you've picked those players. So um, we'll start off in goal, Matt. We'll start off and go. Who's your keeper for the Lorenzo eleven? Uh, well, it'd be Phil Parks, uh, the best keeper I saw in a West Ham shirt. Um, I, I think he he galvanised the team when he came over. It was an awful lot of money, which was a huge a huge thing to you know, a burden really. But he he overcame that, and he was part of uh, one of the most exciting teams or uh, the exciting periods that, that the club had. So it'd be him. I've got from. Memories of others, though. Bobby Ferguson, I used to watch from the North Bank, and uh, uh, Mervyn Day as well, um, and Ludo Mishkoshlo. I can't say the name properly. I remember I took my son to um, Chapel Heath because he was a keen goalkeeper in his youth, you know, 11 or 12, and we were just walking around, and Ludo said hello and said, I said he wants to be a keeper, and he gave him one-on-one -on -one coaching along with uh, the other goalkeepers for about 20 minutes, which I think was uh, brilliant, a lovely guy. So, yeah, a number of keepers, but I'd say the best would have to be Parksy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's just, just turned 70 as well, Mr Parks has. Yeah. So, yeah, good luck to him. Good luck to him. He grew, he grew his uh, grew his hair back for it, apparently, Marie told me, so uh, his daughter. So that's a blessing. Right, we'll put um, Phil in. Um, are, we, are we playing a, a straight 4-4-2, Matt? Um, well, a play... 4-4-2. I, <laughs> I used to... Um, when I hosted the football for Sky and for ITV, yeah. you sit next to people like Glenn Hoddle uh, and David Pleat, I remember as well, and they just see a different game to you. I don't yeah. I know. I, mean, I knew, knew they were, they, did, they just do everything and they talk about moves and they, they, they switch to a three and he's going for a four. I couldn't work any of that out, uh, to be honest. So I wouldn't know if it was a four, three, three, a, a 10, one or whatever, but I'd have this fallback. Yeah. Um, one of my fullbacks, I'd have Tonka, Ray Stewart. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, again, from the same period. Um, I, I like the way he took penalties. Never, ever missed. Um, rarely missed. Uh, he was great in the tackle and a thoroughly decent human being. I saw him in uh, one of the hospitality lounges, hospitality, lounge, hospitality lounges last year. And I was talking to him and then a mate of mine came up with his son. And I suppose it happens... A lot, doesn't it? You you sort you want to tell the kid that this is a great player, but yeah, they don't without. they don't really they don't get it, do they? I suppose it's it happens to everyone. I did it with my own son. We um we were on holiday, and I bumped into Kenny Dalglish. Sounds like name dropping, but 
I, I get on very well with Kenny and we went for lunch together and my son was with us. He was about 12. Um, so we had a nice two hour lunch and we're walking home, you know, back to the villa afterwards. I said, well, how about that? I said, you, you had lunch with Kenny Dalgleish? And he went, who is he? You know, so I, I suppose that's a, a generational thing, but we've got from that, from Ray Stewart to that, but back to Ray, lovely man, very nice man, great player. Um, he would be worth a fortune in this day and age. Oh yeah, definitely. He's a beautiful, lovely man. We've had we've had plenty of chats. When when everything gets back to normal, he's been he's coming on the channel. And Phil is actually as well. Um, you know they, they don't like doing all the all the Zoom stuff, so they're not very technical. So yeah, yeah that'd be good. So good old Ray. Uh, you carry on, mate. You go for the team as you want, mate. You, whatever you know formation you want to do. Off a bit. I'm not bothered. You just you just um, carry on with your eleven. Well, the other fullback would be uh, Frank Lampard Senior. Um, but the best game I ever saw, it wasn't probably wasn't the best game of football I ever saw, but it was the, the most exciting game was the replay in 1980 uh, when we beat Everton. Uh, and the goal he scored was just fantastic. It was like being plugged into the mains when that happened. And I, I think he's another character. I did the, the film on Bobby Moore a couple of years ago and we interviewed Frank for that. Mm. And it was brilliant. I mean, the way he spoke about Bobby and, and about the old times. Uh, you know, you don't you don't get that sort of uh, loyalty uh, nowadays. You just don't. I think football is a mercenary by comparison. Mm. Um, and what he did with his own son is brilliant. I know Frank uh, had a rough ride when he was at West Ham, but he would always be, you know, there at training in the afternoon as well as the morning. He always do the extra. I think that his dad taught him well. And now I think the the, the sky's the limit for Frank Lampard Jr probably off the, the background you know the grounding that he had yeah definitely no he's no good shout and i think the trouble is with, with, with frank senior is he to me and that's doing this sort of this i think we've had about 180 or so guests or something like that and when uh, it's almost like frank senior's sort of not in that same bracket when you talk about the greats and he should yeah. be you know he should be in this he's, he played more games than than very than most people in, in west ham bob Billy Bonds, I think, you know, um, yeah. and he's not put in that same bracket. And it's a travesty, I think, I think, because obviously the whole thing with Frank, with Harry and and, and, and Frank Senior, sort of not tarnished his, his West Ham legacy. But it's um it's a really, it's a real shame, I think, because, you know, over 600 appearances for a club is is phenomenal. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. Um, and it was a great player. Some of you talk about your club and then, you know, you're, you're in a, in a way you're in a bubble. Uh, and, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know about the equivalent of Sheffield Wednesday or at Leeds, yeah, the player yeah. that they hold dear. But, you know, I think he's worthy of uh, greater recognition. And the same applies to Bonzo, who, who's next yeah. up. Um, I think, did he get one England cap? I don't know. Was that just I think a sort he got of... One. I, think, I think he was meant to and he got injured or something like that. Uh, uh, well, that's a disgrace. But anyway, what, what a hero. I mean, just uh, people who are watching this um, will know all about him, so I don't have to describe him. But, you know, you can, I just seem to remember him being like Cachis, like some sort of... Red Indian running around the place. When I went to Chapel Heath, they'd have the pre-season, uh, they'd all go for a run before training started, lapping, you know, like a cross-country run. He'd always win it. He'd always be, you know, even if he was in his 30s. Um, and when he came back, when they named the stand after him, uh, I just hoped that I would bump into him, but I, I didn't. Um, I mean, I, I was on the same level uh, in one of those hospitality lounges, but I didn't see him. And then I'm walking out and he just came out of um, the director's box and I said, hello, the old thing, will he even recognise me? He said, Matt, how are you, man? It was great just to talk to him. What a, what a nice, decent man. When I was working on the 
Walthamstow Guardian, and I got to cover West Ham week in, week out, you would wait outside the dressing room for the players to come out. And Bill would always be the first with four lagers that he whipped from the players now somewhere. No time to talk to anybody, and straight out. And he's the same today, he's a family man. Um, but anyway, what a great player, what a, an inspiration. And how different to some of those wandering around wearing the shirt nowadays. Yeah, and I, and I think you're right. I think, but I just think it's not just West Ham. I think as you said, it's football, like sort of modern football in general. You, they're all mercenaries now, aren't they? It's it's a it's a job now. It's not really a. I, I don't. You don't get you get the exceptions to the rule like Mark Noble and stuff, but mm. you don't get players hanging around for more than three or four years. If you get that of a manager, you've done well either as well. It's uh, yeah. You know you don't get sort of the, the John Lyles and stuff anymore. But um, yeah, Billy Billy's in. Bonzo's in. Who's next, Matt? Um, Alvin Martin. Uh, he was again. I was on that local paper, and it was terrifying that you. Had- I was about 19. You had to go to the ground yeah. or the training ground and, and say hello to these people. The good thing about Alvin was that he was had arrived just about the same time. So I was new to it and he was new to it. And I remember saying hello and him saying hello back. And then I got our chief photographer to run off a load of extra photographs of him that I presented to him the next week. So we formed a little bit of a bond. This all sounds sort of very personal. So that I'm... More, I care more about them being friends than players, but he was both. I mean, I yeah. thought he was a great yeah. player, again, worthy of more recognition than the, than he actually got. And last year I met him with a mate and we went for a quiet lunch. And then we had afternoon tea and uh, it turned into late night drinks as well. <laughs> uh, that was a, what you call a session. Anyway, very nice man. And really one of the pictures of the year was him embracing his son, after uh, it's Chelsea, wasn't it? That he had yeah. this play against. So that was that was lovely to see. Um, yeah, it's nice to see it passed on in that way. Yeah, no, it's yeah because you had that sort of sort of you know the personal and the professional side. It was a, you know he had so much sort of pride for his son playing in the Premier League, play but also playing for his, their club as well. It was lovely, weren't it? It was yeah. just a really really nice thing. And yeah, you know, obviously when Bill had had the stand named after him, Alf did the PA, you know, and so yeah. it just shows you know. And and you know for a person who's not from round these parts, he always well, hung about, and he? he stayed <laughs> stayed yeah. around here. So uh, yeah. yeah, no bless him, no bless. Him. He's still he's he's um his grandson goes to my daughter's. He's the same year as my daughter, and oh. so yeah, so the the school fates, you know, he'll be there with his because his son runs a football academy as well. So yeah. he'll be there, sort of leaning against the goal, doing you know penalties and stuff. And it's old oh, bless, you know, that's incredible. That he still does all that stuff, and I, I love him for that. All right, Alves in. Alves in, Bonzo, this is a formidable team, Matt. Um, let's keep going. Who's next? Uh, Robert Moore, OBE, yes. who I'd be surprised if he wasn't in every team you've had over the last 400 interviews, whatever you've done. Uh, <laughs> what a player. I mean, I'm, I I did the film on him, Bobby, yeah. still on uh, Amazon. Watch that. I get about 3p if you watch it. Um, it's... Uh, yeah, he was a hero. What a man on and off. What what can you say, really? Again, uh, I was lucky to have known him. Um, my dad was very close to him. They were mates, fair enough. And he used to come round to the house, uh, have a cup of tea or whatever. So I was age nine or so playing football in the back garden with England's World Cup winning captain, which was a, a, maybe something of a hate figure at school, uh, especially when I... Oh, well, I can't talk about the, the, how I used to wind people up with it. But, yeah, so um, he was a lovely man. And I went on 
I knew him all, all through his life, really, professionally and personally. And then I got to Sky. When it first started, I was doing sport on Sky News, and this would be in the very late 80s, early 90s. And they were looking around for someone to preview that week's fixtures, that weekend's fixtures. And I said, well, what about Bobby Moore? And I remember my boss saying to me, Bobby Moore, it's a bit old hat, isn't he? And I, I thought, right, and that's just so wrong. And that, that stayed with me. And I, I thought... I'm going to do this film, I'm going to put the record straight. Uh, and there's a lot of rubbish spoken about Bobby off the field, uh, which was all wrong, and I hope we disprove that in the film. And he was a proper gentleman. Whenever, you know, he was always on duty, if you like. Whenever he came up to him, he, he spoke to them, he had time for everybody. And the one thing, I mean, everybody knows the Bobby Moore story, the one thing that I should have put in the film and didn't is that when he was diagnosed with cancer and it was terminal, there was no help for him, he carried on going to see a specialist. He used to fly up to see a specialist in Edinburgh every week. And he carried on going so that the professor could carry on doing research on him to help others. And there was a, a bloke called Ted Croker, who was secretary of the FA, who had the same disease. And uh, his son, Andrew, is a mate of mine, who told me that it was because of Bobby that they worked out how to save his dad. So he couldn't save himself, but he helped others. I mean, it's just... Just incredible, incredible. And um, why, why he never became an ambassador, why he never became what Pele was for Brazil or Beckenbauer was for the Germans. There's a few people at the FA who, who have some questions to answer there. In fact, just to waffle on, we got Greg Dyke, who was formerly um, the boss of the FA, to apologise on behalf of his four uh, pre predecessors about how they treated him. So that was a, a result. Yeah. In, uh, in one way, anyway, Bobby Moore, peerless player. I uh, used to love that he wasn't fast, he couldn't tackle, couldn't head the ball, and he was still ahead of everybody else. And I watched Declan Rice. There's something about his gait, about his unflappability, and it is a way to surpass the ball. He's not as good, but he does remind me of him, which is about as yeah. high as compliment, higher compliment than you pay anybody. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, but but, unlike, but some of the thing about Declan Rice is, I, I you know, there's obviously at the moment there's this sort of, you know, Frank Lampard clearly wants him eventually, but maybe not this year, I think, because they've already got silver in. Um, but, you know, want him as his centre-back. But Deck is a, he's one of the best defensive midfielders, I think, in, in the game at the moment. And it's just be a loss to England if they, you know, if they put him in the centre-back positions. But um, Yeah. But, yeah. It, 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 yeah, so I, 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 he's... You know, he's, he's so young still, and yet he's yeah. taken a ball in his stride. And he can hit a ball as well. He scored some tasty goals. Um, so, yeah, and he'll go. When they all bloody go, don't they? Um, <laughs> as long as he doesn't... It looks like Chelsea. If you went to Spurs, that would be... Um, yeah, I don't think he'll go to Spurs. No, I think if he went to Spurs, I think he's one of those. Also, he's one of those players, Deckies, that everyone sort of is, would wish him well if he went. Everyone doesn't want him to go, but, you know, everyone knows that he's... Sort of too good for us, Re really. You know, you know, he's just he's on another level, really. I think, yeah, a bit similar to when we had that sort of golden era, golden era, but obviously, where you had like Joe and Frank, and I remember Glenn Johnson like debuting. And the first thing you think is, right, well, he's gone in in half a, you know, in 12 games' time or 20 games' time because he's too good for us, and yeah, uh, it's a shame, but it is, um, but I just think, I don't know, I've, got, I've just got an inkling with Deck, I don't know, I think the. But, you know, this under the tutelage of Mark Noble, you know, I 
you know, he's, I mean, Mark has a lot of free passes with West Ham fans. You know, he doesn't, he might not have a great game and another player might not have a great game, but they'll get more stick than Mark because he's Mr. West Ham. Mm-hmm. And to me, I think Dex sees that. And, oh, you know, if only, if only we had another Mr. West Ham on our hands, but um, we'll see, we'll see. It's a funny old, funny old game, as someone said once, wasn't it? So <laughs> anything can happen. Right. Okay. So Bobby is in, um, or should be Sir Bobby. Um, who is next, Matt? Uh, Martin Peters. Oh, um, I mean, I'm going through uh, <laughs> how we won the World Cup, but uh, he was a great player. Famously, Ramsey said of him, he's 10 years ahead of his time, and he was really class act. I felt really hurt when he went to Spurs, mm. um, but you never know the circumstances. And I think that Moro would have gone to Spurs or Arsenal, uh, given a chance. Um, so you, you have to appreciate that even back then, uh, there were bigger opportunities available to them. And what, but what a great player, what a lovely man. And uh, I remember, again, it's a personal thing. I, I, I knew him uh, through my dad. Um, and I remember going to the Wellington Hospital a good few years ago, and I saw him coming out. Um, and I was going, and he said, hello, Matthew, how are you? I said, very well. I said, well, what are you doing here? I said, well, I've got this knee problem. Don't want to bother you, you know, bother you about it. I did it on Hackney Marshes decades ago, and it's never been right. I thought I shut myself up. So what are you doing here? Oh, just getting some tablets for my depression. I thought, what? Uh, I think, well, one, I didn't know you had depression, and two, you shouldn't be telling me things like that. So uh, he wasn't very well at that time, and then we interviewed him for the film, and his agent, who shall remain deservedly nameless, said, um, yeah, he'll do it, he's fine. Uh, it'll be two grand, though. I said, all right, that's not what it goes to Martin. Mm-hmm. Um, and we set up to do the film, and he came in. He had no idea who I was. No. Uh, he could barely remember. I mean, he just wasn't very well at all. Uh, but he, he'd he come to do this, not for the money. And as I said, I'm not sure if he saw much of the money. Uh, but he delivered one line which went into the film is that I, I loved Bobby Moore as a person, as a man. Uh, that was the only line I think we used, um, but it was almost worth it. So, yes, I mean, he was a great player. It's very sad um, the, the way um, it finished up. Yeah, I mean, when we used to get him on the pitch at half time, or we used to, you know, we'd get the old players out, and um, we'd always, you know, we wouldn't, we deliberately would never really speak to Martin because you didn't know whether he was going to have a good day or a bad day. And, yeah. and it's a yeah. shame because, you know, he was such a lovely person when he, when he was having a good day. Um, but yeah, no, yeah. So Martin, and it's funny when you say, you know, <clears throat> Martin Peters, when, you know, it was, he went to Tottenham, as you said, Bobby might may have easily gone to Spurs or Arsenal. And um, yeah, in the modern days sort of my era, you know, Scott Parker goes to Tottenham. He's vilified, you know, by many people, but yeah. you know, it, it's funny how sort of everything changes. Um, we're in sort of different eras, but uh, I was talking to one guy, and um, he only started supporting West Ham because of Martin Peters, um, because of the World Cup, because you know '66. Oh, oh, who's this guy? Oh, I like him. I'm gonna. What, what team does he play for? West Ham. Oh, I'm gonna play for West Ham. And obviously, back in the day, if you missed, I don't know, the 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 news or on the radio or the newspapers, you wouldn't know if players had moved from club to club. So his first mm-hmm. game was in 1970, um, away to Tottenham. And he didn't know that Martin Peters had moved to Tottenham. And so he, he got the team sheet at the back of the programme. He's like, what? You know, but um, he stayed with them ever since. And he's, com- and he's the, um, the match day announcer at West Ham. And he has been for many years, Martin, bless him. Um, but uh, no, God bless. So um, we'll put Peters in. Who is next, Matt? Uh, well, I have a choice here. This would be 
for the old farts or, or the new every grade. I mean, um, the old farts, me included, would have gone for Pop Robson, Brian Robson, uh, you know, featured in that time when I was covering the, the team week in, week out, and he was a great player. I mean, he scored some fantastic goals. Uh, and I, it's, I'm not even sure it was the right position, but anyway, this is the one that I, I, I struggled over. So it's either him or Di Canio yeah. um, that I put in there. But, you know, everybody knows about Di Canio, what a player he was. It was brave in a way of Harry to take him on. It was. Um, uh, I mean, on that instant where he, he pushed the referee over and the referee went down in installments, I didn't think it made it any easier for him. Um, but he was a character and a half. Uh, I used to, I remember, what, it's got nothing to do with football, but... After a game once, I managed to get myself into the, the club car park, which was, you know, a rare honour. Yeah. Uh, and I left. And um, uh, Di Canio lived not far from my mother in Loughton in Essex. So I decided I would follow him yeah. um, to see if he knew a quick way around. And he did know a quick way around. We went through two no entries and one red light. Um, <laughs> and I shouldn't have followed him because I suspect if either of us got pulled up, there's only one of us that would have got away with it and it wouldn't have yes. been me. Um, but yeah, well, fantastic, fantastic goal scorer, um, and the sort of person that you would literally pay to go and see. Oh, yeah. uh, and it, you know, the, the, he was he was a proper West Ham player in a way, um, skill, talent, or to the, prone to the odd laps here and there. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that is Pop and, and Di Canio sharing a place. I don't know, couldn't choose between them. No worries, no props, no worries at all. Yeah, no, uh, I used to remember seeing so I used to live in Loughton as well. So I used to love seeing occasionally you'd see him go past in his car, <laughs> like you know, it was him just because he was. Uh, and it's funny, some so many people say that yes, we individual Di Canio stories and you know, where people have interviewed him for fanzines and stuff and that's why everyone's brilliant every story there's one where he was out you know, a guy was outside Chadwell Heath waiting for you know Decay wasn't playing um so he was he was training there and and all we could hear was the Paolo Di Canio song being whistled for about 40 minutes yeah. and then Paolo walks out in the from the shower it was him singing his own bloody song for 40 <laughs> minutes in, in a towel and like another towel draped over him and flip-flops you know just about to get into his car and drive home but uh no some, i love paolo no he said he was and he had a little bit of craziness that every west ham fan likes yeah i wish you i think you need to support west oh. ham for him yeah, yeah, let alone play for yeah okay we'll put uh we'll put put a pop slash paolo in for that position who's next then matt uh, Sir Trevor Brooking. Yep. Um, just a marvellous, marvellous player. Got two A-levels, which made him intelligent, apparently. But uh, again, as a man, he's a, a tremendous example. You, you see him now, he talks to anybody. It quite, um, what's the word? He's not vain in any way. No. Uh, but what a great player. Now, when he and Devonshire were in their pomp, it was a thing of beauty. Uh, and I can't explain it properly. Uh, to people who weren't there, but you know, you used to get really, you just knew that they were going to roast people between them. Mm. Um, and one of my favorite every games was the Eintracht Frankfurt one, which Trevor, you know, pretty much ran. Yeah. Uh, and I, ju I just like the way that um, he, he, it was about football with him. He could have gone into business, I mean, he became a successful business lastly, but he could have done so many things, but it was pretty much the love of the game for him. It wasn't be all that end all, but he just mm. loved it. Uh, and he was so disciplined. So, you know, he, isn't he West Ham's most successful manager when he, when he took over? I believe his win rate is, yeah, something like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. 
but a, a great example. And he still goes there and sits in that board, sits in that director's box, and he is a, a rare touch of class in that particular gathering. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's important that he's still around, definitely, because I just think he, he legitimizes things, doesn't he, to some extent yeah. as well. And um, yeah, a lovely guy, you know, beautiful man, as everyone says. Uh, right, so Trev is in uh, next. Well, I mentioned Alan Demchester, so he goes in there, and I delight in telling people that he's my favourite ever player because people who, or you know, they, they think that's an unusual choice. But again, what a great player! And you know, it's, it's it's so upsetting in a way that he could have been so much better were it not for the injuries. But just a brilliant. I mean, when he got the ball, it was a bit like best in the old times. You knew uh, he was going to hang on to it and do something special. Um, it's an old-fashioned word, dribbling, but he could dribble. Yes. Um, I'm, you know, I go back to Chelsea and Charlie Cook, who could dribble. It's it's one of the most thrilling parts of a football match, seeing someone take someone on and then yes. another person. Uh, uh, it, you know, he was great. Um, and as I say, in tandem with Brooking, an absolute delight. So, yeah, I, I, um, I think they're great. And uh, I, I just wish there was enough video around to show people how good they were yeah of course so, yeah it's that time wasn't it unfortunately yeah. um but also i think for me it's like what i've appreciated a lot more is obviously because people talk about devonshire and, uh, and brooklyn people are in so in so so high esteem um so sort of personally obviously we know we know him as a you know the legend so to speak but actually personally that i've obviously watched a lot more footage in lockdown as you can do um because you know once tiger king's been watched there's nothing else to watch really and obviously bobby on, on amazon prime um and uh, and just you know they were doing they were just beautiful players on absolutely horrific pitches. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah, just like absolute, yeah. you know, it was just almost like sand. It was just sand. There wasn't that. I watched that Chelsea because we interviewed Frank um, Macker and he said, "Oh, you know, we talk about the Chelsea game when they beat Chelsea four 0 away." And he said, "Go and watch it and look at the state of the pitch." And I watched the whole. And I was like, "That is incredible how they could play yeah. such beautiful football on absolute." bogs of pitches you know what would they do in the bowling greens of you know the premier league now being absolutely incredible and vice versa you know the sort of the the flashy players now you know they wouldn't be able to do it on those pitches that's for sure yeah the, the one i love little story about dev is that he's now a manager as you know and he was manager at billericay which was a problem for him because he lived in hampton yes at the time, which is about you know that's the worst journey in the world to get across town or around town to get yeah. to work every day and he can't drive. No, he can't drive, no. So his wife had to drive him every day, hang around for a bit, go shopping or whatever, and then pick him up and drive back again. This was not a good state of affairs until Alan had a brainwave. He signed a striker from Hampton and got him to drive him in every day, which is a stroke of genius. Well, well, not, only, not only can't he drive, he can't do, he can't figure out how to do Zoom. So his wife had to do it, and we interviewed him, bless him. All right. <laughs> and I just had ten minutes of his wife phoning up. It's not working. Okay, we yeah. put this one in, and oh, but, but well, no, he, he was bright in other ways. We can oh, all find Zoom, but none of us could have done what he did. Yeah, for, and for five grand from um, from what's name from Southall, yeah. it was absolutely mental. Yeah. Um, okay, right. Well, I, I think there's if there's one more spot. Yes. Who have uh, got? It goes to Jeff Hurst. I mean, I think, I think all my choices are fairly obvious. Um, Jeff, who won the, the World Cup for England and West Ham. I mean, it's one of the, the the biggest... How is it that we had those three players? And still and we didn't work in the league. No, nah, it was six, year. six, six following years. Yeah, yes. But he was um, old style, obviously, but a proper centre-forward 
great header of the ball, great shot on him. Um, you know, just a, 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 a marvellous player for England and, and for West Ham. Um, and he's, he's of the World Cup, surviving World Cup players, England players, he's the fittest by a country mile. Mm. Um, still looks good. Yeah. yeah so, um, I mean, I, I could say, I'm, I'm mentioning players that people know all about anyway, so what can I add to it? But yeah. But no, I mean, it's not because, again, yeah. it's, it's, it's a generational thing, as we were saying before, you know. So it's like, for me, you know, I love listening to the more experienced fans because I haven't lived through any of that. Any yeah. of that. And, and you, you can see... You know, you get told things and you see stuff on YouTube, but listening to people's recollections and personal stories, I think that's why we, I mean, we don't have just West Ham fans. I've had, you know, the other day, messages from Arsenal and Tottenham and Chelsea fans who don't have anything like this. Like, and so they're saying thank you for lockdown. You know, we sort of, it's nice to listen to stories, even if it's not about our club and stuff. And, yeah. um, and that's why people love it. But, uh, no, because, you know, my, none of those are in my team, obviously, because I never saw any of them. Um, and, uh, and and that's what's great about this. And um, Matt, it's been lovely. I told you forty five minutes, and I had two minutes to spare. Well done. Not too bad. Yeah. Thank you. Absolutely. And you didn't have to any breaks either. Well done. No, no, no. All all done through. So thank you so much for your time, man. I really, really appreciate it. I know you're busy. I know there's lots of documentaries you're working on and stuff as well. Uh, the Cantonal is the Cantonal one coming up in. It's one on United, the United way with uh, Cantona, Eric Cantona. That comes out early next year. Um, yeah, that's quite good. Cool. That's quite good. There we go. Uh, so thank you, Matt. And obviously, thank you to everyone for watching or listening on Spotify or whatever as well. Whatever you watch or listening to it, make sure you subscribe and, uh, and share it. Uh, and don't forget to check out uh, Blaze TV for the old Ray Winston Sicily. It's really, really good. The first episode was really good last on, on Monday. Um, and until next time, for me and Matt's, take care, everyone. Stay safe. Come on, you wines. And we'll see you again very, very soon. See you later, everyone. Take care. Sports Social Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.